The following is not intended for younger audiences. If you're under the age of 18, please turn this off. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. We hope you enjoy this week's episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I am Dude Two, Joe. And today, we got uh, some exciting things to talk about for the start of Season 7. That's right, we've been doing this for a long time now. Wow. We are officially over 60 episodes how do you feel about that? It's one of those things where we, we've just kept chugging along. Like, the only times we ever had breaks are, like, the November, December period. Holiday for, stuff, yeah. For holiday stuff, which I'm glad that's in there. But, like, it is kind of insane that we've been working basically nonstop on this show for that long. I, I think about it, and it's one of those things, things where I think about it, and I compare it to my last semester in college, and I go, how the hell did I do this? <laughs> what 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 present no but this this is a fun show to do and uh you know we've had a, like last couple of episodes have been a lot of fun to to create um i really liked a lot of the episodes in season six and it's one of the i think it's one of the only seasons where we've had two guests yeah i like it it sort of just worked out that way mm-hmm. and it like we had planned to have allison obviously because you know the plan was for the disney episode to be what it was but then um, we've always wanted to have GIF on the show. Yes. Because, you know, he's, he's, he's important in our lives. And so, and that, 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 that's a, that's an episode. That's a big one. B- both figuratively and literally. And I still <laughs> need to edit that one as I'm recording this, but I'm actually grateful because the way Gifford's audio turned out, like you were saying, it'll really help out with our alignment stuff that we normally yeah. have issues with, um, with our crossover episodes. But, um, yeah, six yeah. episode sixty one. It's, it's weird, but other than that, what else is going on with you? With me personally, just enjoying the you know last couple days of summer, just chilling out. Unfortunately, um, I hate to bring this up, but you know, sad sad news. Um, legend, legendary, legendary, um, legendary actor uh, Ed Asner passed away the other mm. day. Ninety one years old. And just, it's kind of crazy because you talk to different generations and they know him for different things. Right. I mean, you talk to like our parents, they'll probably just, oh, yeah, Mary Tyler Moore. Um, then you'll talk to like people our age, be like Carl Fredrickson, possibly. Oh, Carl Fredrickson, or he did a lot of animated stuff. He's, he's a pro, he was a prolific voice actor. 
like he like even a lot of superhero stuff like he's a lot of dc stuff marvel stuff i think as well and i know he's he's play he was granny goodness mm-hmm. uh on uh the dc animated shows yes i think he actually i think he played perry white in a movie once i think that would make sense i think he i think you're right did he play jay J. Jonah jameson on the 90s spider-man I think so i'm pretty sure um and then for me the big one is of course gargoyles where he played hudson a mm-hmm. terrific uh terrific character and terrific voice um he was also very just just active human being you know just um really just a, quite an interesting character and just um larger than life but also by all accounts a really good dude you know which is nice yeah yeah he'll um he'll definitely be 110 percent missed no and it's it's strange too because you know disney plus just announced the that doug show Mm -hmm. and so it's it's gonna feel the same like when like when we watched um the second episode of what if yeah just like that last episode with chadwick boseman so i imagine it'll have that almost exact same feeling just you know having one last ride with carl fredrickson i don't know what their plan is because obviously they just announced the show if they're gonna replay i i hope they obviously take a second and just like or even just let the show be what it is that they were able to do and then just move on. I don't know. I mean, Disney Plus has so many things, too. They they really do now. But I am definitely curious to see that. Um, may Ed Asner uh, rest in peace, of course, and obviously condolences to his family and friends. Mm-hmm. So, anything else going on with you? Um, my Dracula vinyl came in today. Uh, oh! It's, uh, yeah, I, I didn't open the box yet. <laughs> Uh, I was gonna save it for after the episode, but I'm very excited. Uh, we talked about this Dracula last uh, last year. Uh, we had a we had a double Dracula episode. Double Dracula episode, one of my favorite just movies. Period, and I love it's one of my favorite scores too. I think Wojek Wojek Kilar did the score, and mm-hmm. uh, Mondo. They, I love the like the art artists that they get. Uh, beautiful artwork on on that set. So. Yeah, that's all that's really been going on with me. What about what about with Dude One? Not much. I mean, I'll admit I've been sort of in a slump lately. Just I think ever since I got back, it's just like that that rush of reality, and then just just a lot of just random work stuff. There's a, admittedly there's some things that have just been annoying me, just little things here and there, um, and then like my Monday birthday, which I talked about already, um, but again. Uh, if there's one person that, that made it a lot better, is like, it was my mom, you know, like she brought me balloons and cake and just, she, like anytime she got a chance, she would sing like, not even the happy birthday song. It was, it was just like whatever song she made up. And so, <laughs> so that was, that was funny. Tina's birthday playlist volume, volume uh, 31. <laughs> I, I would buy that on vinyl. I don't even have a vinyl player. I would buy it though. Just buy it on all formats. Just get the CD, MP3. <laughs> I need it to go platinum, so we'll just <laughs> we'll, we'll buy we'll buy like millions of copies. But um, but uh, I'm just just kind of just in this moment, unfortunately, and so I'm just like just trying to relax, hopefully, and just you know, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to be in this this mindset. It happens sometimes, but it's just weird um, to. So I've I've just been like watching movies or like reading stuff just to like you know like as a pick me up or distraction or something like I watched Twister last night 
because I know we've talked like we we've talked about that like the ride and stuff at Universal and how it's gone and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I've just I knew I had the Blu-ray in the house, and so I was just at some point just wanting to sit down and watch it. It's a stupid movie in the most entertaining way. Like it's literally like the whole the whole premise of the movie is Bill Paxton as Bill. So, which <laughs> that's just funny. Um, so Bill Paxton, I guess, was married to Helen Hunt, and then Helen, and then they got divorced, and they were storm chasers because Helen Hunt was just so focused on freaking uh, trying to like you know find this like specific kind of tornado, I guess, because like she had a tragic backstory with the tornado, and. Uh, so Bill Paxton, like as at the start of the movie, is come is coming to visit like his old stomping grounds with all these people in the Storm Chaser group that essentially is a family and they're all super close with each other and they all love each other and they love him. Um, uh, but he brings his new wife so that and sh- they need uh, or his new fiance and they need uh, Helen Hunt to sign the divorce papers, but she's like really hesitant about it. And the whole time, the 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 new fiance who doesn't really do much in the movie, but at the same time, you just kind of go, this is like the weirdest meet-my-friends situation. <laughs> it's like, you said you were a tornado chaser. I didn't actually think you meant it. What do you mean? <laughs> so, and then Philip Seymour Hoffman, man. Both him and Bill Paxton. I, I, I was wa- I'm watching the movie, and I completely forgot that they're both gone, sadly, but they're so fun in the movie, especially Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's just ridiculous. He's a terrific terrific actor um i was fortunate enough to be able to see him when he did death of a salesman um the revival with andrew garfield uh when he played uh played biff in that in that one and and seymour hoffman played you know willie loman um incredible really incredible actor so many great performances and of course bill paxton just legend like i mean it's hard. It's hard not to just like admire everything that that he that he did. So not to talk about more unfortunately, you know, passed away people. But you know, it's just obviously you can't help but think about, it, especially when you're watching. But, but that also movie. good to celebrate their work too. Yes, a hundred percent. You know, just again, just a whole movie. It, it it wasn't even like a typical disaster movie where it's like oh gosh, unnatural event or oh gosh, something is happening. Like, um, like day after tomorrow or whatever, or like, you know, any of those movies, it's literally just a bunch of dudes who like chasing tornadoes and then just get like too close to call and then have a few like brushes here and there. No one really dies in the movie though. One person does die. Uh, Carrie always dies, sadly, <laughs> but he's a, he's a dick in the movie. So, I mean, it's, it's just come to be expected. <laughs> Spoiler alert, but <laughs> Carrie always <laughs> dies. <laughs> That was fun to just kind of just watch that last night and take my mind off things, so that helped. And also, it helped uh, with uh, this this week's double feature because I hadn't seen our first movie in a really long time, and so it was nice to. It wasn't even just that; it was nice for a nostalgic reason. It was nice because it's just you know a good movie, and it makes you cry at times. And um, what is our first movie this week? Our first movie is the nineteen ninety nine. Disney movie Tarzan. <laughs> yeah, it's another Disney episode, folks. We're on brand. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's it's hard. They own everything. <laughs> it's even harder now, but it just makes it worse when it's deliberately Disney. 
<laughs> like just what? Just wait till they buy a twenty four, and like <laughs> no, uh, you know, you know, they're probably thinking about it. <laughs> like, yeah. remember when? Remember when uh, Pixar was what a twenty four is right now? Maybe we could. Uh... <laughs> what do you think? Maybe we can let's, take them. Let, let, let's put uh, let's put some of the A twenty four characters in a parade and see how it tastes. <laughs> That's why they keep working with David Lowry. They're like, you got you got that in right. You did two movies with them. You did Pete's Dragon for us. You doing Peter Pan? What do you and think? And then David Lowry, because of this made up deal, is the responsible was responsible for the collapse <laughs> of cinema. <laughs> He got to work, you know what, he's like, I got to work with Robert Redford on his last few days uh, before he retired. I'm cool with it. <laughs> I'm out. Peace. <laughs> I don't need to make anything else. No. Tarzan, Tarzan, 1999, this is often considered to be like the end of the Disney renaissance, and you have that post-renaissance period with stuff like Fantasia 2000, Treasure Planet, Atlantis, Lilo and Stitch, you know, you know all those movies, and... This is one of those that kind of it kind of feels like a bit of both, like the both the Renaissance era, but also it kind of feels like it it shares definitely shares some of that DNA with the uh, those post Renaissance movies. It, it feels like it bridges the gap a little mm-hmm. bit, especially because like it feels like it's got one foot in the musical world with like uh, you know, obviously Phil Collins doing all the songs, and there's even moments that feel like they're in musicals, like when uh, when Turk and all the other gorillas are playing music with all the the camp stuff um and then uh there's like i think there's like glenn close starts singing at one point but it's like very brief very brief but typically um it's it's just really great songs that are sort of that sort of help montage certain moments or like you know give you that certain feeling or whatever and then the other half of the movie is like sort of a an action adventure type movie which seemed to be sort of the focus at the time so they so it's very much got its foot in that. I mean, it's based off of, you know, Tarzan venture book by Edgar Rice Burroughs. So, I mean, it makes sense that it would be, that, but yeah. 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 Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, Tarzan, it's interesting. Cause I feel like people know who Tarzan is, but mm-hmm. we haven't, and there have been a lot of Tarzan movies like Johnny, Johnny Weissmuller, who was, decades ago many many decades ago almost a century ago og tarzan OG was like well there are other tarzans even before him there was elmo oh, wow. a guy named elmo lincoln i want that is a great name it is uh, i i, I want to name my kid elmo lincoln pernell now <laughs> elmo lincoln <laughs> elp let's go elp so you know tarzan's been adapted so many times like johnny weissmuller did 12 movies 12 oh, movies wow. as Tarzan. Like, he did six with Mor- um, Maureen O'Sullivan, uh, Mia Farrow's mom, <laughs> as uh, she was Jane in those uh, in those early movies. And then there was other ladies in the other six. Um, sadly, I can't remember them. I just, because I mainly watched the, those older ones. But mm-hmm. um, it's actually kind of funny, too, because that was technically my first exposure to Tarzan, but it was also because of Disney. There was the great, great movie ride, uh, which closed back in 2017, but it took you through a lot of movies that Disney did not own. Uh, this right. was before. Keep in mind, this was before Pixar blew up the world. This was right before The Little Mermaid blew up the world. Like you know, this was before Disney was the mega, mega, mega corporation that it is now. You know, yeah. very much before then. 
But one of the scenes, uh, they go to like the the nineteen thirties Tarzan, and they have like the Johnny Weissmuller, oh, you know, as he as he swings, and it was always so funny because he it's just a static figure that swings, and then you see it like rotate if you're if you're at, like, at an <laughs> angle, and it just swings back, oh, back again. Um, <laughs> but that was technically my first exposure to Tarzan, but. Obviously, th- this is the one that for a lot of people, especially our generation, this is what exposed them to, and especially you, you're pointing at yourself, you can't see yes. this guy, but he's pointing at himself, because he's an egomaniac. Ego being the key word in that. Ego, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, maniac, but, lesser of the two, but definitely there. Debatable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for a lot of people, including yourself, this was the, f- the first exposure to this character. Yeah. I mean, I went to, I remember going to the theater to see this one. Um, I was, I was either eight or nine years old. Because it was June, so you're probably eight. I was eight, yeah. And I went with my aunt, because, like, she took me to see, like, around that time, she took me to see some movies so that, you know, I could hang out with that, that side of the family for a little bit. And I love my aunt and uncle so much. And I hope they're doing okay. I don't know if they listen to this, but I just hope they're doing okay. But, uh... I do remember uh, specifically <laughs> um, uh, this this viewing experience because we went to uh, we went to a Regal and we went and saw Tarzan and then afterwards I, I and I thought I was lying but I guess according to my mother I wasn't necessarily but um, after the movie we're 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 leaving and. I tell her, and she's like, so what do you want to do now? And I'm like, well, after well, after we watch a movie, sometimes my mom will take me to the store and buy me a toy. <laughs> and she'll be like, uh, so obviously she was like, okay. So we went and we bought, we went to the store. <laughs> and uh, uh, she bought me a Tarzan toy. It was the one where uh, you get Tarzan and you get the, the leopard. And then like, there's like a sponge on his paw. And then if you get it wet and you drag it across... Uh, Tarzan's chest, uh, cl- like three claw marks go on his chest. So that was pretty cool. So I do remember getting that, but I, at the same time, uh, I do I do apologize to my aunt, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I think I owe her a Tarzan toy. So if I find one, <laughs> I, will, I will give her a Tarzan toy. She'll just be like, "What is this?" I'll be like, "Well, here's the story." <laughs> but no, I do remember that, and I loved that toy. And then, like, I was actually, I remember being so into Tarzan that uh, I would, like, go in my backyard in just a pair of shorts and just run around and pretend I was, like, swinging and stuff. Which maybe, like, like from an outside perspective might be like, why is your kid a weirdo <laughs> just running around with his shirt off and a pair of shorts <laughs> just going, oh! <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know what? I, I'll say this. If that, because I, I do remember doing that, at least it gave me the confidence to want to run around with my shirt off. Because now I would never do that. Yeah, but, <laughs> it's it's YOLO, guys. YOLO. When you're when you're an eight year old and you just want to run around with your shirt off, go for it. <laughs> you can be Tarzan. Yeah. So, in case you're not familiar with the story, his parents were on a boat, and uh, the boat. Boat's on fire, but in in like the novel, there was like a mutiny, and there's a whole other like thing going on. It's kind it's of a wild. whole story, whole story, whole. There's mm-hmm. several chapters that are just about his parents. So like, so if I, so if you read the book of Tarzan, you would get like the was it like the first few chapters or whatever, 
and then you wouldn't even get to like the actual Tarzan bit till after. <laughs> it's yeah. like, why am I learning about these people on a boat? I want to see. I want to. Where's the monkey man swinging? Where is he? <laughs> but no, they uh, like the parents. Uh, they 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 land in Africa, basically, and uh, the parents die. But then, yeah, as they tar- do, t- uh, baby Tarzan is taken in uh, by gorillas, and they raise him. Uh, specifically, a Glenn Close voiced gorilla <laughs> takes him in. A Glenn Close voiced gorilla named Kala takes him in and tells him to stop his crying because it'll be all right. To take her hand and hold it tight. She'll protect him from all around. She'll be there for you. Don't cry, little baby. Yeah. Those that that she that's you know she sang it, but you know I wanted to just say it. Yeah. So basically, you know. Tarzan, Tarzan grows up. He's ba- you know basically like as I say, he's like Lord of the Apes. This dude can swing around, and he can make all sorts of different animal noises. But then his world's shaken up a bit because people, people, people like him, people that look like him, come onto the come to Africa, and he's just like he's very curious about these people, particularly about Jane. Jane, oh Jane, Mini Driver. Yes. <laughs> the only other thing I think of her in is uh, Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yeah. So you know the the whole the movie you know Tarzan is kind of this character who sort of feels like an outcast. Yeah, because I mean, obviously he's this just regular, not necessarily regular person, but person um, that's. I mean, that's around all these uh, gorillas, and you know, this one, this one gorilla was nice enough to take him in. Even, but even at that point, like everyone's like, "What is that? What is that?" It made me think of Dumbo mm. a little bit, and probably just because we you know, just watched it. So like, Dumbo was born, and then like its ears flop out, and they're like, "What the hell? Yeah, what is that thing? Is that one of us? <laughs> I hate it. It's ugly." <laughs> <laughs> but no uh they don't they don't go that mean with it necessarily but tarzan is is very much the outcast but he tries to fit in yeah you know so in like you know he wants to prove himself and so he learns everything he can uses all of his skills he flot he you know learns to swing on vines slide on branches and you know salvage for food and you know be be a part of his gorilla community even though um, Kerchak, voiced by Lance Hendrickson, um, uh, also uh, very much in the uh, a prime member of the Rad Dad Club, as created by us. <laughs> <laughs> that dude, that gorilla is so buff; it's insane. Oh, his his one arm is like probably the size of both of us standing next to each other. <laughs> like, it's like man, not even back to back. Like we're just like. Right next to each other, <laughs> like it's arm just, to arm. I think about when he's like on all fours, like you know, going through the jungle, and his arms just like I feel like just like they're like gonna knock somebody out or something just by being there. <laughs> he just walks around the jungle and like there's trees just on the ground because he just accidentally bumped into it. He's like, yeah, like Kerchak's Ch- uh, arms are the leading cause of deforestation in, in this movie. <laughs> But he's he's very much like you know he's not one of us. But also, too, Kerchik had a tragedy because his baby his baby died, 
It was mm-hmm. killed by it was killed by uh, the leopard Sabor. I think they, they call. It. I think I think it's Sabor. Yeah, and I think that's they, a me- name. they mentioned it a few times. I think that's the, the name movie. of the book. I think that's the name of the book too that they give. Is it? Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So you know, so you have all these f- different forces. Uh, Tarzan does have some friends though, which is you know he's he's got Rosie O'Donnell. He's got Betty Betty from the Flintstones movie. <laughs> he's also got Newman. <laughs> Dennis, just uh, 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 uh. Wayne Knight, <laughs> who was also in another great Disney movie this year, Toy Story Two. <laughs> what a prolific actor! He's shout uh, out to Wayne Knight. I think about Patrick Willems' review of Toy Story Two is like, ever realize how many good movies Wayne Knight is in? <laughs> you know what? Now I don't. I'm just like, yeah. Makes sense. Just, uh, no, th- that can't, but I, when you, when like, they have, like, the younger Tantor who is an elephant, you were just like, that is just you. <laughs> that is, like, if you met me at this point in time, I mean, even before that, admittedly, I was, it was not as bad, but now I'm very much that bad, where <laughs> young Tantor just goes, Mom, is this water sanitary? <laughs> it looks questionable to me. It's fine, honey. But what about bacteria? <laughs> I think uh, my other favorite scene with the elephants is like the exchange about piranhas. <laughs> it's a piranha! It's a... <laughs> no, there are no piranhas no piran- in... My Af- butt! <laughs> <laughs> or no, where they get the whole thing where it's like, no, actually they're right. They're, they're only in South America or something. <laughs> no, no, he's right. They only listen. They only exist in South America. <laughs> <laughs> And then the, I just the my butt thing is just funny. It is, yeah, <laughs> it's just funny. But um, no, yeah. So he's got Tantor, he's got Kirk, or Turk, pardon me. And uh, like I said, as and uh, as he grows up, he he tries to become a, a member of the community. But you know, and and more or less, people accept him in the in the community. Kerchak's still a bit hesitant, but also Kerchak is you know he's trying to protect everyone. Yeah. And he might and he might be hesitant with, with Tarzan, but you know, that's Kerchek's goal is that he's trying to protect everyone. And then of course, um Jane shows up with her father and Clayton voiced by us uh, a returnee actor on this podcast, one of Joey's absolute favorites. Mr. Brian Blessed. Yes, he, he is very good. It's, it feels like a more restrained Brian Blessed, admittedly, but he's still <laughs> still very good nonetheless. <laughs> he's very he's very like like there's times he goes a little bit crazy because he's you know he's he's the bad guy, but even so he's like he's very reserved at times. He he builds up the, the, the scariness. He's he's not yelling dive at any point in the movie. But he also has a gun. And that's and that's how Tarzan identifies with him. You know. When they hear the gunshot, and and uh, Jane goes Clayton, and then uh, Tarzan's like Clayton. <laughs> yes, I mean that because he does all those animal animal noises. He identifies Clayton with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> How appropriate! But no, if there's one thing though, I think we need to talk about. Like, there's a lot of great um, voice actors, a lot of great people in the movie, but there's one powerful presence throughout the entire movie that i think before we get like into the deeper stuff we really got to get into this one thing it's not a voice actor but it's a musician uh it's phil collins listen phil collins 
was probably just hired to be like, hey, do you want to do some music for this? And he was like, 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 just do music or do you want me to do music? Like, you know what I mean? Do you like, like, like how hard do you want me to go? They're like, oh, you know, whatever you want to do. And he's like, I'm going to go crazy on this one. <laughs> yeah, it's like that meme where it's like the uh the the guy in the piano and like the piano's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> These keys are on fire. No, but it, this is like, as as we said, this is not like the other like we think about other like renaissance movies and they're very much more like musicals. Like Little Mermaid, you have the characters singing Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, um you know, even Pocahontas, uh Hunchback and a bunch of those. But this one is is distinct because the none of the characters really, well, outside of a few moments, predominantly the characters don't sing. It's more, no. I, I kind of said this to you. It feels more like a, a feature length music video, which, in any other instance, sounds like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like the last thing I want to do is watch a movie that just feels like a music video or it's like a montage of clips to like a popular song or whatever. Like sometimes that just that just feels like a like an easy out to maybe fix an issue or like maybe they didn't i don't know it's just it's not it's it's not fun because like i'm trying to watch the movie and yet you're like montaging the vast majority of the time and this movie does have a lot of montages with you know phil collins music but it for some reason it's like one of the few times it works or like it's it's not something that you mind necessarily and i think a lot of that is because the music is amazing for one and you still care about what's happening in the movie like it's it's weird it's a weird sensation to think that you know this movie that like i and i agree with that you know that it effectively is like a a jungle music video to phil collins music still makes me cry yeah like you it still emotionally affects me even if there are a lot of montages it's it kind of makes me think of like Captain America the first one which like uh, that movie got a lot of crap for sort of feeling like it had a lot of montages like you know just sort of bridging the gap for certain moments instead of just letting us soak in Captain America but even then like the movie still works and so it's like it's not really a huge issue necessarily or even no. an issue period and i think there's some really good character development scenes like i think about the scenes with tarzan and jane when they first encounter each other i think that's a really good scene the hand thing the hand thing yeah but i also think the songs are well placed like uh like strangers like me it's placed Mm -hmm. when they're like when he's learning about humans or son of man when it's you know when he's growing up basically like they're well placed montages and you can understand, you really understand why they put them there. Mm-hmm. But Phil Collins stuff is absolutely great. It's definitely one of the Disney soundtracks I probably listen to the most. It's oh, yeah. so easy to listen to. Just listen to any of them. Um, it's hard. Do you have a favorite specifically? Or <sighs> it's hard. I know I'm putting you on the hot seat. That's, that's such a hard question. Or t- um. you pick two. <laughs> two is even hard, too. Oh, God. I mean, I, I mean obviously, I, I love... Um, You'll be in my heart. It's a great song. Um, both ver. I mean, I even like the Glenn Close one because you know, it's just it's it's not as it's not the whole song, but it's still a good version of it. Uh, I mean, Son of a Man, great. Son of Man's great. Stranger, li- strangers like me. Strangers like me is great. It's. 
I, those are probably like if I had to pick three, because uh, those are the ones that are just in my brain at the moment. Yeah, even the opening song, like two world, like two worlds, mm-hmm. one family. It's it's so hard because each song is essentially uh, a bop. <laughs> like I don't think even you know trashing in the camp or whatever is that what it's called trashing in the camp trashing in the camp or something yeah it's a, it's a fun one too it's a fun one i would say though that's probably one of the only ones where i think i prefer the the in sync version that phil collins did versus the one in the movie though the one in the movie is good yeah it works for the movie but it's not something i listen to separate from the movie i will listen to uh phil collins and <laughs> each member of the backstreet boys um scatting but you know what like again we were talking about how this is sort of like in that middle ground where it's like a disney renaissance movie but also kind of like those post renaissance movies this is a really fun like adventure movie and i think what one thing it really does very well is like especially think about like if you're a boy yeah not like i don't want to generalize but like you want to hang out with like the cool animals you want to fight fight off leopards and things. You want to be friends with the gorillas. You want to run around your backyard with no shirt on. Exactly. Like, and, and you're, like, li- effectively skateboarding on, like, the tree branches and vines and things, swinging around. Like, that is just such, like, a pure... Like, I think about Avatar, you know. It's like, the flying a, stuff. Like, the flying stuff. It's such a yes. pure, you know, desire to have. You know, you want to be able to embrace nature, but also embrace it in a way that is, like more than what maybe you're capable of you know it's 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 like it's freedom mm-hmm. you know it's it's a, it's like that's always been the big sensation with flying is that it really gives you that sensation of feeling free you know because you know you're you're up you're levitating you're up in the sky you have no worries you're not gonna fall and just it's it's the if it's in the best movies it it really like you know can move you in a, in a certain way and i think even though Tarzan obviously doesn't fly, he swings. But um, a lot of those, a lot of that stuff gives you that exact same feeling, like when he is like skateboarding on the branches of trees and swinging on vines, and um, you know, it's just this, it's a sense of freedom and control to be able to like do all of that without and confidence, without like falling necessarily or having a fear to fall, and it it it. it it excites you when you see it. Right. So, like, again, little eight-year-old me. I might go in the background now, but, you know, I'm recording a podcast. Yeah, yeah, don't do that yet. <laughs> There's too many old people with their shirts off in my neighborhood anyway, so I don't want to, I don't want <laughs> to cause uh, an issue. <laughs> yeah, so that's a big thing. One of the other things we got to talk about, though, is how, it, just the other things, how it handles Tarzan. I think it does capture the adventure aspect and like the you know like the fan those fantasy elements like you know boy fantasy elements pretty well but mm-hmm. again you got to talk about you know edgar rice burroughs who's a real per- who's a person and um, yeah listen, this was a story <laughs> he is he is a written, person <laughs> written like 100 years ago listen it's not gonna you know especially anything That's, yeah okay so just just so you guys know, in case you aren't aware of this, I mean, it's again, this is the same with so many different writers, especially from you know way way back in the day who wrote so many classic novels that were adapted or turned into something that we all love. Um, Edgar Rice Burroughs is infamous for being an avid believer in pseudoscience, you know, especially in regards to race, you know. So, like. 
think of the scene in just as an example think of the scene in um uh Django Unchained when Leonardo DiCaprio is doing like the the phrenology skull explanation mm, scene or right. whatever like it's basically that and sadly Edgar Rice Burroughs very much was an advocate for that belief and that weird sort of science and so that sort of thing seeps a lot into his into his work you know like you know you think of again there's so many different um writers like even like hp lovecraft famously racist that's sadly. the big that's the big one where i think there was like a whole quiz where people said who said this hitler or hp lovecraft yeah like like he wrote a whole like a whole thing like that was like a poem or whatever that i'm not going to say the title of it but essentially it was an incredibly racist poem and, and this, um yeah this is something that comes across in like other adaptations of Tarzan just as a property because um if you're familiar with Tarzan Tarzan's a white guy and the, and he's often referred to as like the like the lord of the ape, lord of the apes the white the ape jungle, the king of the jungle the white ape whatever you know uh, but specifically like lord of the apes or something right because he's also like the yeah lord of, that's lord like of, the subtitle of yeah. a lot of the yeah like he's also like a lord of greystoke and it's kind of there's this implication that you can drop this great this white man of great breeding into any situation and they'll become the lord of whatever of whatever they survey whatever they drop into you know yeah and also of course and think about like the johnny weissmuller tarzan movies of course all like the depictions of uh indigenous people of africa and just that does not it got age. bad it's not great i mean there's yeah. I've, again i've seen a lot of old movies like ingagi is obviously worse but that's yeah. when i have to <laughs> when i have to bring up ingagi <laughs> that's say not a good sign that's not a good sign <laughs> you know but uh it, it's and in the disney version they opted to not include people um, mm. from africa it's as, it's it's all gorillas it's all, all animals all gorillas you know which it's kind of a double-edged sword because in a sense you kind of avoid it you kind of avoid that topic but you really don't because you're left thinking where are the other people and w why can't these people be like tarzan where they're swinging around too and right. have that innate like what makes him special in comparison to anybody else who just happens to live in Africa. It's there's a lot of weird things to talk about with with that. It's 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 one of those things that again, if you know Edgar Rice Burroughs and, and you, you can't help but look at it. Even even if you don't, sometimes even if you don't know anything about Edgar Rice Burroughs, you could probably look at it and still have questions. Yeah, and be like, hmm, you know, um, it's 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 a tough cookie. <laughs> No, it, it really, it really is. Um, it, it's and it's kind of a challenge because I love adventure stuff. Like you know, King Kong's my favorite movie. I love right, like Indiana Jones, but a lot of these stories do. You know, they use, you know, our sort of stereotypes, perceptions of of different groups of people and all that. And um, mm -hmm. it's kind of like one of those things where people go, "Well, okay, you're not depicting these people, so you're not depicting them in a negative way." Just because you're doing that doesn't mean I want to see how you depict them, because chances are you might not depict them in the best possible way. And I also think about the twenty. I think it was a 2016 movie, um, the uh, Tar Legend. Legend of Tarzan. Yeah, mm -hmm. I still and haven't that, seen it. And that's still through, that, that brings in more of that, like of like there's like the tribes and stuff, and I think they try to connect it more to a real life to real life stuff and like real colonialism. And mm -hmm. it's kind of a tricky thing because 
you want like obviously Warner Brothers wanted this to be a big smash blockbuster thing, but who wants who wants to see a Tarzan movie that deals with that stuff? I mean, I know there's people. I know like I mean as a general audience concept, mm-hmm. like people want to go to the theater and they want to see the dude swinging on the trees and they want to see him yeah. talking with animals and all that. They don't want to see like examinations into like sometimes you can do that stuff in an entertaining way like black panther of course is a big example of that and you have other you know media that does that but tarzan finds itself in a very tricky position you know over a hundred years after its initial publication and i think it had like 20 something sequels something like as far as like the books are concerned you know and a ton of different ad- i mean there was before the legend of tarzan there was that other animated tarzan movie i'd never seen it but there was like another animated there's one another one um there was also i remember a direct-to-video tarzan that wasn't disney but it was like a really like crappy direct-to-video one they probably made around you know in the 90s and right. i think about Greystoke, which had the the gorilla effects done by rick baker and that tried to take it in a more a more serious approach, um, or almost a weird character study, as far as I kind of can kind of remember about that movie. It's kind of strange. Okay. But Tarzan, um, you know, it's one of those things where I'm not trying to insult anybody who likes this character. We're both fans of this movie. No, make no mistake. Yeah, we love this movie. And what's going to happen? We're going to listen to the soundtrack, I know, right after <laughs> we're done recording this show. But it is important to bring these things up and at least have that conversation Especially, again, is like there's a ton of examples of stuff like this, and again, different authors, like again, H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, you can even talk about like J.K. Rowling, and you know, had the relationship with Harry Potter, and you know, her beliefs on things, and has caused a lot of attention. Yeah. So I mean, this isn't this isn't a new subject. It's just something that needs to be mentioned especially if we're going to be talking about Tarzan. So, I mean, no, especially, I mean, again, it's just like, it's, it's all, it's all involved, but overall, I do think this ends up being arguably the best Tarzan movie. I know there are people who probably prefer some of the Johnny Weissmuller stuff. I mean, I have no comparison, admittedly. (laughs) My only only other comparison is like 15 minutes of the, the Alexander Skarsgård one. And I'm like, listen, that one even has Margot Robbie. I still take the Disney one. <laughs> the use of Margot Robbie in that movie is very strange. That's all I'll say. It's it's oh, quite boy. it's quite odd. Like 2016, hmm, for Margot Robbie. Oh man. You know what? At least it launched her as Harley Quinn, and that's yes. been amazing ever since. Yes, but uh, yeah, Tarzan is a lot of fun. A uh, lot of fun of a movie. You know, it's a check it out. But we're gonna te- we're gonna swing around on the vines, and when we come back, we'll find ourselves on Barsoom. Stay tuned.
we're back welcome back to two dudes one double feature in our last segment we talked about tarzan a disney adaptation of a edgar rice burroughs novel and now we're gonna do another <laughs> edgar rice burroughs <laughs> adaptation from disney um however this time we're not going to talk about a successful movie sadly in fact this is arguably one of the most tragic stories <laughs> that i could think of or one of the most tragic when it comes to um any potential massive franchise thing and that is the 2012 right 2012 yep 2012 disney film john carter to <sighs> <laughs> take a moment <laughs> A moment, <laughs> a moment of silence for for John Carter. For John Carter, listen, like like we're not mourning for Disney's sake because Disney did fine this year. They put out Avengers. Okay, they're fine. They didn't really need the money, but even so, even so, this, this is sad. This is it's it, it's upsetting because this movie, when all is said and done, is not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, so, okay, just a general gist of what John Carter is, because, again, you hear that title, and you're like, what's John Carter? What, like, if you have no understand, if you don't know what the books are, the Barsoom novels, or, you know, any of that, John Carter is about a guy who is a Confederate soldier. who's given up his warring ways like he still calls himself captain john carter whatever but uh he's trying to find gold he's kind of a weird like gold miner looking dude and then um he runs into these mysterious bald pale dudes uh with this like jewel and somehow um next thing he knows he is transported to mars and uh, he it, it has this weird ability where, like, like you know, if you go on the moon because it's low gravity, you know, you can jump high. So that's kind of the case with John Carter is that he's got sort of an... It's like Superman. You know, Superman comes from Krypton to here, but on this planet we have a yellow sun. So then he's able to drink in the radiation of the yellow sun, and he has superpowers now. He's super strong, shoots lasers out of his eyes and flies, all that good stuff. Sort of the same thing with John Carter going to mars and uh on and he meets all these different aliens and and people that live on mars and he goes on these adventures and that's more or less the gist of what john carter is it's a big science fiction movie like one of the biggest like like just adventure like science fiction things in the last decade that isn't it isn't star wars it isn't marvel it's not like, John Carter is a brand, but it's not a brand that many people recognize. Like, this is one of the only... I mean, the other adaptations... I, this is the only other adaptation I can think of at the moment is that Asylum directed... That really crappy one, yeah. Yeah, you know, so that should just say a lot, um, honestly. It mostly just gets, like, comic book adaptations, periodically. I think there's a few different comics from different companies that have dabbled in that ballpark with John with that character... But other than that, no, there hasn't really been like any movie, and so Disney of all people, you know, the the place where you know the majority of the movies that we get are Marvel, Star Wars, or remakes of old animated movies. Um, they decided to to 
swing for the fences for once and and try something new and give us give us a new franchise um, with someone who very much has given them a lot of great material, Andrew Stanton, who was one of the OG Pixar guys and is known uh, specifically for directing Finding Nemo, which is awesome, mm-hmm. WALL-E, which is also awesome. And so this was his first real live-action outing. And so obviously there might have been some hesitation on some in some regard to have him direct it because he's never done live action but even so he's like i want to do this i want to do this well and so he he made he made john carter and it 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 didn't work out (laughs) yeah like there were some like listen i there's sometimes when i watch a movie and i watch a trailer for a movie right Mm. i like to think i'm 80 percent good at this where i can look at it (laughs) and i say that's gonna be a flop that's gonna be a hit because some sometimes you just watch a trailer. Like I think about uh, that ro- recent Robin Hood adaptation with Taron Egerton, mm-hmm. and I look mm-hmm. at that. I'm like, there's, there's no way that's going to succeed. And there's some <laughs> some sometimes you know you get surprised, and sometimes you know you see like yeah, but this, this is true. But this one was definitely one of those where I'm like, what is this? This is what <laughs> John Car? What you're? It's just hold a on. dude's name. Hold 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 on, Feehan. Is messaging in the group. We're trying to record, Joey. Joey, we're gonna, I'm going to restrain. We're going to have to launch his ass into Barsoom. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just going to restrain. You go for it. <laughs> anyway, <You know> what? <laughs> that just deflated sorry. what I was going to say. I'm mad. I'm I'm so sorry. You go. You no, <laughs> no. You're just. But but this was one of those where I looked at it, I'm like, this is not going to succeed. This is just yeah. straight up not going to do well. And I figured it wouldn't, but I didn't think it was going to flop this hard. hard. Okay, now, I, I, I'm the numbers guy on two dudes, despite me not being good at math. Uh, I, I'm also terrible at math, but I just don't care that enough about enough about money. But listen, <laughs> like, like this movie, it made $284 million total. Okay, that's including mm-hmm. international markets, includes domestic, mm-hmm. all that stuff. The movie's production budget is ranges from like two hundred and fifty million dollars to two hundred and sixty-three million dollars. Okay. Typical Hollywood lingo, like you need to make twice your budget and then yeah. some to break even, typically speaking. Like when people are talking about tenant, it needs to make at least four hundred something million dollars, or I don't know how much it was like one hundred fifty million dollars, or cost maybe a little more than that. I don't know. Regardless, if it's like a hundred fifty million dollar movie, it's got to probably gross like four hundred million dollars because there's a lot of parties you got to split the money to, right? Yeah. This movie also had marketing costs, like all movies do, and that ballooned the budget to three hundred fifty million dollars. Where we're talking, this is like Avengers money. This is Star Wars money. This is like Justice League you know, levels of money. This is the money they give to only certain huge movies. You know, like this is a kind especially these days, you don't see the you don't see these kind of numbers on anything that hasn't had some sort of established like, you know, property it's being based on, or especially if it's a sequel or a remake or something. Those are the only times you get those kind of you get those kind of numbers. Not in this instance. And it's very few and far between when you get those instances and I try to, you know, support those instances because it would be nice if we had more of those instances. Right. But sadly, it 
didn't turn out so well. What was the... You were telling me this earlier. What, what did they make? 284. So they... they um, I think the official number is... Two, Disney had a $200 million write-down, basically, uh, just from this movie. Like, as far as, like, its losses and, and stuff. So there you go. <laughs> also, just for compare... Also, too, they also released uh, Lone Ranger the following year. That's right. Which was also a disaster. I could imagine in their brains, they're like, well, okay, we got Johnny Depp, we got Gore Verbinski. What can go wrong? A lot. <laughs> a lot can go wrong. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Let me just... Let me look it just this. makes me think, because like, it was also during that time when Jerry Bruckheimer was working heavily with Disney and tried his hardest to make all these new franchises, it seemed. So, like, Pirates, obviously, huge success, became a whole thing. Even to this day, they're still making Pirates movies. National Treasure was a big one, um, but then it only got one sequel, and so that was kind of it. Um, they tried with Prince of Persia. You know, <laughs> they tried. And uh, Lone Ranger, obviously, again, they tried. So, yeah, it wasn't... It didn't seem like it was working out the way that they hoped. No, uh, no, no, it didn't. Um, but I just wanted to highlight that because that is a good chunk of this movie's reputation is it is a massive flop. And even reviews on this were not were not very kind to it. Um, from mm-hmm. what I remember, like I was I was watching online like movie reviews at the time. And it felt like every other video I've seen was like, yeah, John Carter is a pile of poop. It's, it's garbage. It's bad. It's a disaster. But you know what? We're here to tell you that, no, it's not. <laughs> it's fine, actually. It's it's actually quite uh, good at times. At times, it's quite good. <laughs> good, yeah. quite at times. <laughs> I, listen, like, here's the thing, like, with, with, like, John Carter. You know, it is one of those properties, like, again, where you kind of look at, like, he when he's on Mars, he has super, like, he has super enhanced strength and he can jump around, you know. But, and that, and that, that kind of, like, oh, you can kind of see that sort of like a parallel to Superman. It's a big space mm-hmm. epic. So you got, like, the Star Wars component and other science fiction, um, science, other science fiction stories there. And it was a huge influence on other, like, on writers and scholars and things. You think about, you know, people like Carl, Carl Sagan read this as a child. Even even to the point where this, this the books were going to be adapted in many, like you were saying, Ray Harryhausen was going to do an adaptation. He, he wanted to do one. And Bob Clampett, if you're familiar with, like, Looney Tunes, if you've ever seen The Great Piggy Bank Robbery, that dude wanted to make, a, was going to do a John Carter movie mm-hmm. at one point. And there's there's test footage of it out there. There's like a little like reel that you can find it online. That's on the bonus features, I think, of um, the John Carter Blu-ray. But yeah, like it just shows you there was a lot of attempts. It was John like, Favreau. John Favreau. Yeah. Yeah. If he because if he didn't end up doing Iron Man. Oh, my dog's here. <laughs> my door just creaked open. I'm like, who's that? I saw that. <laughs> so uh, special guest today, my dog. How you doing? Woo! You doing good? Can you hear, can you hear her? Just I can. <laughs> um, I'm just gonna just keep petting her, and hopefully that gives her the that, attention. That, that helps, but yeah, in you know, so it's got all these things, but it's like it's a thing that influenced all the all those properties, and it's like how do you get people to care? Because people obviously care about the things that came after. They like the Superman. They like the Star Wars. They like the things that. 
were influenced by John Carter as opposed to wanting to even see what John Carter is. Avatar's another big one. Mm-hmm. Sorry, she's still... I'm just... No, it's fine. <laughs> she's, 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 I'm still petting. Oh, she moved. Okay. She moved. But, yeah, so this movie... One thing I was surprised by, because this is like the third time I've seen it. I, I, I watched it... I've watched it like three times. When was the first time you watched it? I rented it on DVD from my public library. And... Uh, that was eight years ago, and I was like, okay, I really, I was renting bad movies from there, so that way I didn't have to spend money, and I'm like, okay, I could talk about so a you bad movie. You, you, you didn't feel guilty, yeah, like spending <laughs> buying it. Like, I remember when it came out, and, it, and I was, I looked, I thought it looked pretty cool. Like, you know, I, I didn't know what John Carter was. It was like a space movie, and I love again, I love Andrew Stanton. You know, I tend to, you know. Every now and then I'll see, like, who's involved with the movie to see if I want to go see it, to see if I know. Like, um, like, like Tomorrowland, I think of sometimes. Because, again, Brad Bird, who was also a Pixar guy, uh, did Tomorrowland. And Tomorrowland is, is not that good of a movie, but I think it's very well made. And Brad Bird is at least what brought me to want to go see it to begin with. Mm. And then Andrew Stanton, knowing that I loved Finding Nemo and Wally, that was enough of an incentive to want to check this out. I never saw it in theaters, um, but I also like heard like whenever I'd go to like my com- my local comic shop, you know, whenever they were talking about John Carter, they'd be like, you know, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. So it was like it was like a select group of people periodically that'd be like, you know, it's not that bad. I remember people like that. They were like, yeah, it was pretty good. Exactly. I mean, and then uh, I th- when did I first watch it? I think I think I was at my video store i worked at before i run my current job and i think it came in that or i got it off of disney uh movie insider which was disney movie rewards at the time for like you know a a good chunk of points like it was like two thousand points you get the 3d blu-ray and i'm like yeah sure you know that's you know i got all these points might as well you know check out john carter see what see how it is and i i was entertained by it it's again. There's some part. There's some parts of the movie that I mean, we'll get into it. There's some parts of the movie that I'm like, eh. but no, I was very entertained by it. And, and and the more you and the more you think about it, like I said, the more it feels like a tragedy that this movie ended up getting the repu- like getting that reputation or that outcome, because I think it would have been really cool to see like where this story would have went. Yeah, I agree. I think visually it is spectacular and a lot more tangible. Oh, yeah. A lot more tangible than I was expect. I was remembering it to be. Like it, it is, it feels more like a real like place because you were saying to me they filmed in like actual like like desert like locations mm-hmm. and things, and it, that adds to the movie tremendously. And I think the visual effects are quite good. I think about those spaceship battles that are. Oh like, yeah, because you think about things like Star Wars where it's it's a lot less romanticized. And it's like, you see like the dirty X-Wings and the dirty Y-Wings and TIE Fighters and things. It's all gritty. But this, it's like, everything's like, oh, it's like, they say like like flying on, on light or whatever. And you see that they look yeah. like these beautifully clean things. And normally that would bother me, but it kind of it kind of worked out for this movie. Costuming, too, I think is really cool. Especially for something that has rarely been adapted. Because when mm-hmm. you have like other stories like Wizard of Oz, okay... Like, if you're trying to do a new version of Wizard of Oz, you have a million and a half other versions that are out there where you can kind of pick and choose things. Whereas this, it's like, you got to create something that feels unique, 
but also conjures up other things in people that makes them connected to other things. It, it's a weird, it's definitely a weird thing. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing to juggle with, but I do agree with that, like how good everything looks in the movie. I think it's just really well made, honestly. Yeah. You know, I think there was no mistake that Andrew Stanton really wanted to put a lot into it and make it as good as he could. And even to the point where like, Everything, like like you said, everything looks tangible, especially, it makes it even more appropriate, especially these days when we have, like, and I've talked, we've talked about this before, but, like, this big summer blockbusters where, you know, whole, whole scenes with actors, you know, are just in front of a green screen, and sometimes the actor isn't even in the scene because, you know, Marvel has to keep this secret or that secret or whatever, and so it's nice when you have like a real location, and I mean that you can get away with it with because it's Mars, mm-hmm. you know. It's a, like there's so many areas, so many desert areas that you can just make look like Mars. Yeah, so many other movies do it, um, and I think John Carter does a really good job of you know sort of making its own version of Mars with like you know, the, the people that live there and the technology that they use with, like, the light ships that look really cool and the sort of, like, space Viking outfits that they all wear, which, again, also feel very old school in a way, very classic, pulpy sort of action, like, adventure type thing. Like, if you had made this, like, not widescreen and black and white and had, like, a certain kind of music, it would have felt like like a, like a serial. 100%. But the music is really good in this, too. Like, shout out to Michael Giacchino. Like, this, it might be an underrated score of his, honestly. I think people are sleeping on this thing. It, it, it is really good. And I don't hear enough about him, to be, if I'm being honest. Like, I, obviously, like, I hear, like, there's so many different composers that you hear about, but I don't really hear about Michael Giacchino enough. But I think, I'm hoping that after the Batman comes out, because he's the next composer to make a Batman score. I'm hoping that is the, the thing that really boosts his, boosts his name out there and, you know, gets people talking about him more. Cause he, he's done music for the vast majority of Pixar films. He did the music for, I think the latter two apes movies that we talked about yes, in the reboot he, trilogy. Mm-hmm, he did. Um, Rogue one. He also did the score of um, rogue one as well, which has some, mo- has had, it's a movie. I, I, I don't, care for but it does have its moments in the score i do listen to them periodically it's he he's so good and this is definitely one of my favorites even just like some of the like twinklery moment because he has like moments that are like whimsical which is so cool it's pretty cool because it's like the easy thing would be to just make it star wars you know obviously there's obviously going to be shared dna but i never was thinking like oh it's just like a dollar store star wars i never had that thought when i was listening to this so Props to him, honestly. 110% props to Michael Giacchino. And again, I'm very excited to hear what he has for Batman. <laughs> but we have the visual effects, though, and the creature designs are really cool. They're so cool, and they're so and they're so well done. Like, the motion capture, Willem Dafoe, uh, who plays uh, the Jeddak of the Tharks, like, the, the sort of race of aliens that are, like, these green aliens that have, like, these tusks. And they got a bunch of arms. They got it like they get, they each got like four arms, but he plays one of my favorite characters in the whole thing. Yeah, he's great. I, I love I love uh, when they first when he first meets John Carter, and they're like like it's sort of that same joke in in Tarzan when it's like oh Jane oh I see you know because there's that obviously that uh, language barrier yeah um so so John Carter is like 
trying to talk to him. But the fun thing is, the way the scene plays out, even though we can clearly understand John Carter, you look at uh, you look at Willem Dafoe, and 110%, it, it almost feels like it's from his perspective trying to get John Carter to understand him, whereas John Carter's like sort of the weird, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. sort of like a reversal a bit. Virginia! <laughs> Virginia! Virginia! <laughs> um, he's great. I, was, I should be noted, like, for those people who are freaking out about the No Way Home trailer, yeah, Thomas Hayden Church and Willem Dafoe are in this, so there's your Spider-Man right there. I like his, your spider. his, his alien design is really cool. I mean, it's the same species, but, like, it's got a... The distinct, broken tusk is yeah, cool. Yeah, he looks cool. Kieran Hines is in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's great. Uh, it's it's hard not to... I mean, he sort of plays, like, the kind of character he's, he's used to playing, like, the, the sort of... Because I think of him like in Game of Thrones, uh, as like the, the the head of the Wildlings or the ruler of the Wildlings or whatever. Man's Raider, but he's he's still he's still very good in this. Um, uh, James Purefoy is in this. He's pretty fun. I liked his. He's sort of like the second hand, like the right hand man mm-hmm. to the king, and uh, he has he has a fun scene where he like breaks John Carter out of prison. <laughs> yeah, that's that was a lot of fun. It's like take me hostage, and also. I want to give a shout out to Lynn Collins, yes. who plays Deja Thoris in this movie, because I, I the first time I ever saw her in a movie was in the number twenty three, the the Joel Schumacher Jim Carrey movie. Terrible movie. I used to like it a lot when I was younger. Watched it not that long ago. It's a terrible movie, but um, her she was a very striking presence when I first saw her in the movie, like clear intentionally so, and then. Um, it's sad because she was in so many movies that just didn't work out. Like she was in X-Men origins Wolverine. Mm -hmm. And, um, the only other place besides this that I can think of was she was, uh, in like the first season of true blood, which was a very successful show on HBO. And then her character dies. So, cause I think she, she might be like one of the best things about this movie. Honestly, like there's a letterbox review that I read, I think last night, um, and, uh, they were like, shout out to Lynn Collins and, and also sad that she didn't become a huge star because she carries the hell out of this movie. She's so she, good. She really does. Like she's, she's clearly like, she's makes me think of like some of those other like Disney adventure movies or like the, the princess, obviously she's still a princess, but like, you know, ha- is capable, can hold her own in a fight mm-hmm. and is, is smart. Her biggest, uh, chore, her biggest task is not only, is not only, you know, just playing the character of Deja Thor, but, um, and this is, this is, this is a segue, uh, to arguably the worst thing about the entire movie. <laughs> it has to, we have to talk about it. <laughs> um, but having to also work opposite Taylor Kitsch. <laughs> um, listen, listen, like. I know people say like he was very good on Friday Night Lights. I've never seen that show. I've never seen it, but I I hope that's true. I'm I'm glad they like him and something. That's always the party line that I hear is that he was very good on Friday Night Lights, which I'm sure is true. I'm sure that's true. But I can't think of a performance where I was like blown ever blown away from him. Um I hope that opportunity comes for him at some point. I mean again, he doesn't have anything to prove to me or anything like that. No. This no. this is we're, we're just two guys on the internet talking about movies. We don't really matter <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. That should be noted. But I think he is the weakest element easily in this movie. He's the reason that on Letterboxd, I bet, uh, it, did, it lost two stars. 
<laughs> it sounds so it, may, you, it sounds mean i think but it's so true it, and it's so important to have like a good leading man because even though like it's it's silly that you say okay the main character isn't as interesting as like the pieces around it and even yeah that's true in a lot of things but you could at least make an attempt to make make this hero and a lot of that is going to be the script and stuff but like also the performance performance matters i think about we think about another movie we were talking about flash gordon which we talked about in the podcast a while ago Mm -hmm. and you know sam jones you know and um that his performance in that movie and i like sam jones in that movie i'm not saying he's going to win any awards He's not going to be like in the. He Sightons. fit the mold. He he fit the mold. He fit the part in this. He was an. Uh, he was a big. It was a larger than life presence in a movie with a lot of larger than life characters. It made me think a lot, and I said this too. It made me think a lot of Val Kilmer in Batman Forever. Which, make no mistake, I will forever be a defender of Val Kilmer. At, even though Val Kilmer himself has said that he he didn't have the best time because obviously the bat suit is a struggle, and obviously. You know, in in retrospect, it probably wasn't his cup of tea to to play a character like Batman. But at the same time, like I still think for what he did, he did a very good job. It's just the problem was he his version of Batman didn't fit in the world around him, and so it's it's sort of like we we talked about with the Dark Knight movies, how Nolan intentionally wanted Batman to feel larger than life by making him the most extraordinary figure in a somewhat ordinary looking world, and so. That's sort of where that lies, and then with this, I mean Taylor Kitsch. I the only th- I only ever think of him as playing like tough rookie cops or like a tough thug character. Like I think of him in True Detective season two, or I think of him in Twenty One Bridges, which was one of Chadwick Boseman's last films. And again, that's the kind of character he plays. He doesn't really play like a charming, whimsical sort of leading man character in a pulpy science fiction thing. And, you know, the way they have John Carter, you know, he is a little weary of things. So you're going to have to incorporate that. But I also feel like you need to have, like, I think about Aquaman. Aquaman, like, is a big thing, too, where, you know, Jason Momoa's... I think, I think there was a point, and this might again, this might sound mean, but there might be a point. There was a point where we were like, you know, who would have been a great John Carter? <laughs> and then we just kept listing different people. Jason Momoa, very much one of those people uh, who would even- also be a great Tarzan, even though he's not he's not English. But it's like I don't I don't. Care. And it's fu- <laughs> the funny thing is, he did play Conan. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I've never seen that movie, but he did play Conan, which is just funny to think about in this context. Um, but no, we're like that's just the thing, like. He plays John Carter as this sort of gravelly-voiced, angry, like almost, you know, just to feed Feehan's weird drinking game thing that he had. Uh, (laughs) It makes me think of Christian Bale's Batman a little bit. (laughs) Just this this angry, tortured, gravelly-voiced guy that periodically will smile or something because like, even even the scene when he first learns to jump feels awkward because you have this great music that's supposed to be whimsical and he's jumping like you would think like it might be cheesy but maybe a woohoo would be nice or like whoa like like you know like have it be a little si- like a little silly Come little, on, a little silly uh, but the whole time he's just like ah i can't do this i can't walk here I'm paraphrasing, and, and it's it but. stinks because it's like there's so many scenes where I'm just like I'm I'm interested in like the Kieran Hines, uh, he has to protect his city, so he has to bury off his daughter subplot more than like 
John Carter <laughs> trying to learn, trying to learn <laughs> Mars. And it's, and it's, and also again, like there's so many great actors, like even Dominic West, he's, I think is really good in this movie villain. as, um, uh, what the hell is his name? Is it Sab, Sab Than? Sab Than. There's a lot of crazy names. There's, it's another one of those things with crazy names. Mark Strong. Always good in movies. Very good in this movie. Very much... Hold on. Sorry, I pressed a button. Uh, um, very good in this movie. Um, fits the role he's playing very well. You know, again, it's sort of that... It's sort of in his wheelhouse of playing these sort of, like, smart, still, ominous characters, but he's very good at it. Mm-hmm. It sucks when you have all this greatness, more or less, surrounding this one guy that it just feels... Like, he doesn't fit at all. And I know that's sort of the point, because, like, you want him to sort of stand out um, as, like, as like that sort of weird figure amongst this new world, but not like that. So, and, and I also understand that Andrew Stanton wanted to cast, he didn't want to cast, like, big names. So, like, I'll admit, like, I say all the time, like, if they took Taylor Kitsch out of John Carter and put him in Prince of Persia and then brought uh, Jake Gyllenhaal over, I would have... I, it would have probably been ten times better, but of course Jake Gyllenhaal's a name, and so I understand you know that that he didn't want to have a big name as John Carter. And I think that's that goes through the whole movie, like with the casting. Like the biggest people you can think of are like Willem Dafoe and Karen Hines, and you know all these people. Like like a lot of people that you'll definitely recognize. That's for sure. Yeah, people you're like I watched him on a show. Or something like that, but no, nobody that's like selling tickets. In th- that's going to be the main reason you, you buy a ticket to see something. And that's and honestly, like that would have been cool if it would have like if this movie was a huge. Not that these actors' careers like you know were hurt because of this or anything, but you know, save sadly for Lynn Collins, who we haven't seen in anything else. Sad, which she deserves so much more. But even so, it's just I I, I like the idea, but it's just I wish. I wish it's the it's the saddest thing. So I wish maybe, just maybe. And again, I hope Taylor Kish is having a good day when I say this. Yeah, and again, you know, we're just guys on the internet. This is just our opinion. It would have been nice if someone else maybe was in that role. Yeah, it it, it was. You know, I'm I'm gonna we do this sometimes. The two dudes awards, uh, for, <laughs> uh, the two dudes award for for deserved better. Uh, goes to John Carter. We're gonna call it. We're retroactively calling it John Carter of Mars because it is mm-hmm. stupid. It is so stupid that they called it just John Carter. And the thing is, there's a few different like explanate. Like there, like some people have said it was a marketing thing. Um, Andrew Stanton may have been the the one that chose that because he wanted it to just be like John Carter, like the origin. And then obviously, it would make sense because the movie ends with. The words John Carter of Mars, because he planned like a whole trilogy. If that is the case, maybe that wasn't one of the better decisions. <laughs> but it's funny too, because there's a line in the movie where he goes, where he goes, uh, you know, John Carter of Mars. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. <laughs> he does. It's like, <laughs> like wow. <laughs> and uh, because you, what, what? Because I, I just imagine a Disney board meeting. Uh, they're just like, well, we could save 67 cents of ink per poster if we get rid of the words of Mars out of all the toys and merchandising. We'll save money. We'll save loads of money by not putting those words on there. Listen, listen, we had that Mars Needs Moms movie. 
oh, didn't God. work out for us. Oh man, that's a good point. That's actually a good point. <laughs> we did that didn't work out for Jeez. us. So maybe, oh. maybe let's not mention Mars again. We don't want to. <laughs> Regardless, in my <laughs> head, in my head, it's John Carter of Mars, and it's one of those things yeah. where that's why the episode, that's why the title of this episode is Tarzan of Mars, not Tarzan of Carter. Or no, but that, and that's the other thing too, Tarzan. Again, like because the books like Lord, Lord of the Apes or like King, you know, whatever King of the Jungle, mm-hmm. all that. You, Tarzan's a bigger name than John Carter, especially because he's been adapted so many times. He has yeah. a lot of all the sequels. You got the Disney movies, Disney direct to DVD. There's been some theme park tie-ins and all that stuff. John Carter, you can't do that. John Carter, uh, you need to give me a reason to see this movie. Like something exciting. When you think about Marvel, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, can you imagine they just called it Guardians? Guardians of what? Guardians of of my basement? Guardians? What, do you, what are we guarding? What are we guarding? If you just chopped Let up, me know. no, like you got to tell me, you got to get tell me a little more. You know, I think about like the Pixar Pixar titles, like Pixar titles, like tell you something ha- is happening, or like they can sometimes tell you the general feel, like um, Finding Nemo. That's the plot of the movie, or um, you know, Toy Story. It's a movie about toys. What the hell does John Carter tell me? Nothing. There's a dude. I'm assuming his name is John Carter, but I could be wrong. I don't know. John Carter of Mars. Oh, he's on the planet Mars. Okay, that sounds All nifty. Right. All right. There's there's some Mars in there. All right. You know what? They they even just could have gone with like the original title. Maybe even as a subtitle, could have said Princess of Mars because that's that's primarily what this movie's based on. Is that is that story? Plus, again. It should be noted, and also let's give her an award for most deserving of becoming a big star, Lynn Collins yes. as Deja Thor- as Deja Thoris. Yes, she is effectively the title character of the book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, come on, come on! But yeah, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of fun elements in this, but also. It's kind of, we talked about this with Avatar and a little bit with Tarzan. Mm. You got the white guy yeah. who comes in. <laughs> and it's another is, one of those. It's, he's the larger than life presence on this new world. And, uh, you know, they could say a lot about race too. Especially since, too, you know, John Carter is a Confederate captain. Yeah. He is a Confederate soldier. Which is weird. Which is so weird because I was reading somewhere, I need to double check this, but I was reading somewhere that, that Edgar Rice Burroughs' dad was a Civil War captain for the Union? Or Civil War guy in the Union? And I could under I could understand, like, like if it was somebody from the South, like you think about, um, uh, uh, what's her face for, for Gone with the Wind? Uh, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. I wouldn't even know. I forget her so. name. Uh, Margaret Mitchell. Margaret Mitchell was raised on like Civil War like stories about the South, you know, mm-hmm. and like the old old South, you know, and all that stuff. So it would it would make sense if if you was right from that point of view. But it's just weird. I don't know. It's it's a like I I, I remember like I mentioned to you all the time the first episode of Lovecraft Country. Um, Jonathan Major's character Tick. Uh, the first thing we see him doing is uh, reading a Princess of Mars. He's reading John Carter. And, um, you know, he's waiting, uh, the, the bus that he's on with, uh, with all these people, obviously, sadly, he has to sit in the back because it's set during the Jim Crow era. Um, uh, he, uh, the bus breaks down. And so he's sitting there reading the book, waiting for his luggage. And unfortunately, uh, like, well, well, you know, 
there's a truck that comes and picks everybody up, but uh, obviously they're not going to take him. And so, uh, and there's another woman that's there as well that they're not going to take. And so he and this this woman just start walking, and uh, there and she's like, you know, what book are you reading? And he talks about John Carter, and he mentions that he's a Confederate. And then that, and immediately she goes, he's a Confederate. <laughs> and it's like it's a, it's like a whole thing. It's a whole scene. We'll probably get more into it later on another episode. But you know, but but, it is such a weird thing, though. Regardless. It, it it is but john carter and tarzan you know there there times where disney is not just going for like a fairy tale or just going into marvel or, or star wars and they're going for something older and pulpier and something like it it shows you know that there's still i mean especially with tarzan there's still some interest in the works of Edgar Rice Burroughs, that even with those elements that we've talked about, um, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of like primal like urges that we have. Like we would love to go to outer space and jump around when wrestle with uh, giant gorillas, or you know, be with Tarzan and talk to the animals and swing on trees and all that stuff. It's just the it's the kind of story that again, you know, we talk about we talked about before. Is we don't really get these kind of stories, and again, there's there's good reason in some regard for that but i also think you know what did you see uh that jungle cruise is getting a sequel i didn't see that yeah they just announced it today uh today that jungle cruise is getting a sequel which is nice because the first one it was entertaining and it's like it feels like a sort of a classic style adventure movie which again we don't really get a lot of and so it's it's nice that it seems like maybe this is a this will be a good opportunity and plus you know it helps that they had the rock and Emily Blunt in that sort of help, I'm sure, make some money. But so, I mean, it's just, it's nice to see something like that in that ballpark is getting a sequel. So it's, it's just nice when that happens every once in a while, where it's like typically, you know, whenever you see like a new big blockbuster franchise movie, it's going to be like in the MCU, or it's going to be here's a remake of, or a twisted remake of an old Disney movie, or it's going to be here's, this star wars thing or that and so it's nice when these things succeed sadly john carter wasn't one of those things but at least we can look back on it and enjoy the movie for what it is even if it's not perfect absolutely i even think of like atlantis or treasure planet you know obviously you know they weren't huge especially atlantis wasn't a huge success and and to this day it still feels like disney sort of buries it a little bit uh, because of that so it's 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 at least nice to just go back and be like, well, this existed, and I can still enjoy this. Yeah, don't be sad. Be glad it happened. Kind of like that doctor that Doctor Seuss quote, folks. Uh, do you like these movies? You sh- if you haven't seen them, I, I definitely recommend checking them out. They're really fun. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not an advertisement for Disney Plus, but they're both on Disney Plus, and uh, you know, you might be surprised, especially with John Carter. Um, Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Check us out next week. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
Special shout out as always to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys so much. We love you dearly. And of course, a hint to next week's double feature. We are talking about two eccentric, mysterious figures in children's cinema. A nanny and a chocolatier. Stay tuned.